Hello and what's up, political peeps? I am Alf Kapoor, and I welcome you guys back to the Geopolitical for the 32nd ever episode and our seventh episode in our second season. I'm sure it's been in the news a lot. You guys have heard about the Russo-Ukrainian war, or what some refer to as the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Recently, on February 24th, 2023, it surpassed the one-year anniversary of the day that Russia launched its large-scale invasion of Ukraine. The Russian Federation, what I'm referring to as Russia for this episode, is a Eastern European country as well as Ukraine being an Eastern European country. There's been conflicts between these two nations dating back to the 1990s and before. Today we're going to be talking about the origins of the Russo-Ukrainian War, which began in mid-2014, and how that sparked, which goes back to 2013 and before. Or uh, let's get right back. Let's get right into the history of this very convoluted topic. The main portion of this Russo-Ukrainian war origins began on November 21st, 2013, when the Euro Maiden protests broke out in Maiden Neshala Itsy, or Independence Square in central Kiev which is the capital of the Eastern European country of Ukraine. They began against the sitting U Ukrainian president, Viktor Yankovak, which, who was uh, some seemingly Russian-aligned, and he shared views with Russia, who, who, who at the time and still are Ukraine's enemy. These protests were against Viktor Yankovak because he were, um, suddenly disagreed to signing the European Union and Ukrainian Association Agreement, which would allow the European Union to have closer relations with Ukraine as well as allowing free trade between the European Union and Ukraine. These Euromaidan protests eventually led to the brutal revolution of dignity, what people call the Maiden Revolution, which translates to the Independence Revolution in English, which began on February 18, 2014. In January and February of 2014, fighting between the Bekrut, or what in English is the special riot, Ukraine Special Riot Police, and protesters fighting between these two groups caused 108 deaths across the months of January and February, and hundreds of injuries also took place. Um, this These protests also were taking place because Ukraine hated the modified constitution that Jan Kovac implemented when he became prime minister. Soon after he became prime minister, he um, put in these n new constitution laws and he removed some of the original amendments. And he's been, and he, at the time, it was 2014, and he had been pre prime minister since 2002. So there weren't that many changes in the constitution since then, besides the ones he originally made in 2004. During this revolution of dignity, Ukraine suffered from the most gruesome and deadly conflict since Ukraine gained independence in August of 1991. Protesters began using baseball bats, tear gas, air guns, and more. They were beating backward policemen with baseball bats, throwing tear gas. It was complete madness. And at one point, the Ukraine somebody in a Ukrainian politician, somebody higher up, 
gave the Ukrainian police permission to use live ammunition, which means real guns and real bullets. And But this was totally illegal. And eventually, the person who authorized this was put in jail and punished because this was completely illegal, even with the protests. Um, eventually, Yanukovych was voted out of office in what he called an unfair vote. By, but most of the Ukrainian parliament, about 80% of the Ukrainian parliament voted against Yanukovych because of all the trouble he had caused to the country and all the modifications he made to the original constitution. Eventually, he fled to the eastern Ukrainian city of Kharkiv before um, being captured by the Ukrainian government and being exiled to Russia. Soon after, Ukraine began coming back to somewhat normal conditions and a new president was elected named Alexander Torchinov and he restored the original amendments to the constitution that were part of the constitution before 2004 when Yanukovych removed them. Now, remember at the beginning I mentioned how Yanukovych was somewhat aligned with the Russians? Now let's talk about what the Russians what, when the Russians come into the picture. The Russians were very much against Ukraine signing the agreement of association with the European Union because with protection from the EU, Ukraine would be less vulnerable and southern Ukraine and Crimea, specifically the Crimean Peninsula, was full of oil and still is full of oil to this day. And Russia loves oil because that's one of their biggest money-making operations in the country. They sell oil to Germany and actually Germany is the primary purchase uh, of oil. So to get oil to Germany though, Russia has to send pipes under Ukraine because originally when Russia and other countries were together, including Ukraine and Russia, in the Soviet Union, it was all one country. But then once Ukraine got independence, then the pipes have to go through Ukraine. So because of that, whenever Russia wants to send oil across the border to Germany, which is the biggest importer of oil from Russia, they have to pay Ukraine a fee to use their pipes. And because of that, the Russians kind of just want to take over the pipes. So they don't have to do that because then their business will become more profitable for them. So after Ukraine was literally on the brink of going into full-on civil war, um, Russia, as I just mentioned, they really wanted Ukrainian land and they for oil and power and money. So on February 20th, 2014, under the rule of U Russian President Vladimir Putin, Russia annexed the Crimean Peninsula for the oil and they also began to back breakaway Ukrainian regions and slash oblasts of Donstek and Luhansk and the Russian government continued supporting these and encouraging them to break away from Ukraine and if Ukraine tried to stop it they would be in trouble from this big giant of a military power. Approximately eight years later, in March of 2022, Russia started lining up tons of troops around the eastern Russian-Ukrainian border. And since Russia is allied with Belarus, the northern, um, northeastern European country, they started lining up troops on the Belarusian-Ukrainian border also to the north of Ukraine. So Ukraine was from the south being blocked because Russia had annexed 
Crimea illegally, from the east on the Russian border and from the north on the Belarusian border. Um, later, Russia, after being prepared for a full-scale invasion for months, press was anticipating this big invasion. People had began sending troops already. On February 24, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine. This brutal invasion of Ukraine was soon deemed to be the largest ground invasion in history. Hundreds of thousands of troops were sent by the Russians. Three days before this major part of the Russo-Ukrainian War, Russian, Russia officially recognized the Donetsk People's Republic, which was the above-mentioned Ukrainian breakaway state. So then it became somewhat real, because Russia really wanted to just take over Ukraine entirely. And at the time, it was the Russian plan, most likely, to take over Ukraine within months, within like um, like less than a month, possibly weeks. They were just expected to be able to swoop in, take over Ukraine, just because of how big the army was compared to the Ukrainian army. Um, but that didn't happen because the Ukrainian army, surprisingly, is still holding up over a year later towards the Russians. At 5 p.m. Kiev time, the day of the invasion, which is GMT plus 2 if you didn't know, which is 10 a.m. in New York City, Russian President Vladimir Putin remarked that this was a special military operation and that the purpose of this special operation was to protect the people of the Donbass Oblast of Ukraine who were primarily Russian-speaking. He said that these people had been facing discrimination and genocide for the past eight years. None of that was true, though. They had been a calm and peaceful part of Ukraine, and the Russians just used that as a reason to justify the invasion. And soon after, Russia began bombarding Ukraine with bombs, and thousands of casualties began racking up on both sides of the war, although specifically on the Ukrainian side. Um, the Russians were launching bombs on hospitals, cancer centers, places where newborn babies were being birthed. They would just kill them instantly with those bombs. It is a very sad sight. But, as I just mentioned, with all those advantages Russia had, they didn't have, they wasn't, weren't able to take over Ukraine in such a small amount of time. And Ukraine surprisingly held on so well. Even though this caused actually the biggest refugee crisis in all of Europe since World War II, which was in the 1940s. Think about it. That was a while ago. All those people from Ukraine, there was so much bombardment that these people from Ukraine were so desperate to escape across the border to Poland where they could go over freely and hopefully find their families. But a lot of men decided to stay back in Ukraine and serve. And some even had to. And because of this, women and children were separated from their families. And some never would see their fathers and husbands again because of the brutality of the Russian army. On the one-year anniversary, February 24th, 2023, of all this fighting, China, the fellow communist nation to Russia, um, released a document, of a 12-point list of proposals on uh, solutions to possibly fixing this crisis and the document was titled China's position on the political settlement of the Ukraine crisis. The 12 points in this list are as follows. 1. Respecting the sovereignty of all countries. 
Two, abandoning the Cold War mentality that is harming one nation for the security of another. Three, seizing hostilities. Four, resuming peace talks. Five, resolving the humanitarian crisis. Six, respecting civilians and prisoners of war, also known as POWs. Respecting and keeping nuclear power plants safe. Reducing strategic risks. Facilitating grain exports. Stopping unilateral sanctions. Keeping industrial and supply chains stable. Promoting and promoting post-conflict reconstruction. Historically, these two communist nations of the People's Republic of China or China and the Russian Federation or Russia have had aligned views and shared close relations. Because of this, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said, I really hope China will not supply weapons to Russia. Zelensky has expressed a desire for a ceasefire to take place and he is hoping friend of Vladimir Putin, Chinese President Xi Jinping, will be willing to help him negotiate Putin into a ceasefire. Because of this, Ukrainian President Zelensky is planning a trip to Beijing, which is the capital of China, in the coming days, and he's really hoping to get Xi on board with this plan to convince Putin into a ceasefire. Uh, when ABC News asked sitting U.S. President Joe Biden about his thoughts on the Chinese peace plan, he said, Putin's applauding it, so how can it be any good? Joe Biden also added, I've seen nothing in the plan that would indicate there is something that would be beneficial to anyone other than Russia. Early in the week, the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, commented, Beijing was strongly considering sending weapons to Russia. So, there is, truthfully, no mention of ceasefire in any of these lists. And for all we know, they could be having Zelensky come to China just so they can hold him hostage. We really don't know at this point because it's possible that the Chinese are favoring Russia or they're actually trying to put up the peace plan that they seemingly have. Um, but even with all these challenges, President Zelensky still holds hope, seemingly, of course, because at a conference on Friday, he said, Victory will inevitably await us if allies respect their promises and deadlines. On the anniversary of the invasion, U.S. President Joe Biden imposed upwards of 100 more sanctions on economic entities operating inside Russia. The U.S. also has plans to send 30 more, 31 more of their M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. In Europe, more sanctions are also popping up the European Union just passed its 10th round of sanctions on Russia since the invasion. The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, or what most people refer to as the UK, has also promised to supply Ukraine with 14 more Challenger 2 tanks. In total, the value of the aid coming from the US to Ukraine is worth about $12 billion, which is 10 billion British pounds. The story of the Russo-Ukrainian conflict is a very sad but meaningful story to know. There is so much more detail I could go into, but it takes. this is already one of my longest episodes yet, and it would just be too much to go through more. Like I mentioned a couple of times in the past segments of this episode, this is a ever-changing conflict and the Russians and Ukrainians keep having different offenses and it's very much a modern-day history being built. 
history is being built right now in the modern day in Ukraine, in China. Let's hope that whoever side is right wins. Right now, it is very up in the air who will win. And it's possible that the Chinese will side with the Russians. It's possible that they will be a neutral party. But considering the tough relations that the Chinese and the United States and Western powers are having, it's more likely than not that the Chinese will not side with Ukraine because of all the controversy that's been going around. Um, But thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Geopolitical. I hope you enjoyed learning about the sad story of this conflict and how it developed over years. And thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.